Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. It honestly changed my perspective on success because I think I've always seen success as reaching a really high level, you know, titles, even, you know, like the valuation of a company and things like that. Um, but I felt like in his book, it just felt as though it was a struggle so much of the time. Um, and I didn't feel like he seemed all that happy, um, which just made me think a little differently about what success actually looks like. Hey, I'm Natalie Drenovac and welcome to The Modern Women, a show that seeks to share the stories and experiences of women that may be out of our line of sight. Today I'm joined by Michelle Battersby, Australia's country lead for Bumble. And what I love is how Michelle undoubtedly encapsulates the essence of an empowered woman. She grew up knowing that it was okay to take charge, she was encouraged to believe in the power of her strengths, and she has based her work around empowering millions of women in what may appear to be a male-orientated industry. If you're single or you've got single friends actively searching for love online, then you've probably heard of Bumble. The app has truly made waves on the scene with the catchphrases, women make the first move or become the CEO your parents wanted you to marry, showing everyone that its message is much greater than just another dating app. And with the guidance of Bumble's founder and CEO, Whitney Wolf Heard, Michelle has undoubtedly turned the dating game in Australia on its head. And what more could we want from our first guest on The Modern Women? So join us as we chat with her about her leap of faith with Bumble, taking on inappropriate behavior by men head on, creating a safe space for women to be themselves while attempting to find the one on their terms, of course, and pushing the boundaries when it comes to gender roles and equality and a glimpse into the intentions Michelle has for Bumble moving forward. But before we quickly dive down the rabbit hole, I'd love to start with some rapid fire questions just to kind of a bit of a Q&A with you. What would be the one word your friends would use to describe you? Honest. Who was your first celebrity crush? Oh, my God. You know, it was the guy in um, Narnia. You know, Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe, Narnia, the first one that came out. It was this blonde guy. I don't know his name, but I remember like I left the movie with my whole family and I just kept thinking about it. Um, what's been one book that's had a really incredible impact on you? Recently, Shoe Dog. It honestly changed my perspective on success because I think I've always seen success as reaching a really high level, you know, titles, even, you know, like the valuation of a company and things like that. Um, but I felt like in his book, it just felt as though it was a struggle so much of the time. Um, and I didn't feel like he seemed all that happy, um, which just made me think a little differently about what success actually looks like. Um, what do you wish you had have known when you started out? Your gut's right. Going back to what you're saying about you have two sisters, but you all have really different experiences. I have the same with my sister. Yeah. Do you think that's because you have a different uh, standard, self-worth? There are other things that play into that. I think I am the most outgoing of my sisters and I, like definitely the most confident. And I think it's probably potentially because I'm the eldest. Okay. Like I've always been the one to maybe speak on their behalf as we're growing up. I've always been a little bit bossy with them. Um, but I also think I also was pretty aware of my own reputation and what I was showing them whilst we were growing up. So in I, terms of at school and things yeah, or with boys? school and with boys. So even if I had a boyfriend, you know, my mum would say he, he can stay over, but like just be respectful towards your sisters. Like I don't want them to see anything that, you know, isn't really appropriate. Um, so I think because of that, I was quite cautious about the relationships that I was in and how I handled them and what I was displaying when my sisters were around. And I wanted to set a good example for them. So I was probably just more aware of my behavior than maybe they were. Yeah. Um, and that attracted a different kind of guy. But um, 
Honestly, I think about this all the time. I think my dad lied to me when I was like 13 or 14 at a really influential age where you first start hanging out with boys. And he told me, Michelle, if you ever see a guy that you like, they're always going to be intimidated by you. So if you're ever interested in them, you're always going to need to be the one to approach them. Like they're not going to know what to say. Do you think he was just building confidence within you or he was just reminding you of like actually you control the situation? I think he I think it was a bit of both. Also, I think he is just super shy and like socially inept. So that's probably how he was when he was younger. He never knew how to talk to girls, so he's probably speaking from experience. But I think because of that advice, I had always had the mentality of making the first move when it came to relationships. And it also meant that if a guy ever wasn't into me or it wasn't a positive situation. I was you didn't just bother. Like, yeah, it didn't. It didn't mind to me at all because I was like, oh, they're just intimidated. Move on. Do you have good role models in your parents and their relationship? Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So you got high standards. Yeah, my mum and good thing. Yeah, my mum and dad are honestly almost too in love. Really? <laughs> like hold hands, kiss in the kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> very into one another. Um, but also like a really equal relationship. My mum and dad both always worked. Um, they each had different, even with their finances. Like I remember my mum explaining to me that she always paid for all of the groceries and dad paid for other things. It was always quite equal. Um, and I As think, in like they had, they did that deliberately or it's more just like, hey, I'll handle this, you handle that. I think they did it deliberately. Um, but I've definitely always been raised, you know, if you want something in life, you go out and get it for yourself. Um, and my dad definitely pushed me to, you know, go to uni, get a degree, because I think you could see, you know, I was going to need to do something that would support You're my in. lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> and like he that. certainly wasn't going to help me out yeah. with it. It's funny that you say that because I, like I was saying to you earlier, I, gr- I always use the analogy. I grew up with a mother who mowed the lawn and I grew up with a dad who did the, ju- the dishes. So I never really had these gender roles per se. But then my parents got divorced when I was three and I saw a single mother raise three kids. And I just think, and that's, I think, why I think women are just so powerful. And I'm like, wow, you can actually do so much. And my mom, when I was little, said to me, maybe like it's like almost based on that, you know, the secret book came out a oh, million yeah. miles later. But yeah. my mom said to me, if you want something bad enough and you're willing to work for it, you can make it happen. And so I always just believed it. So anytime someone ever said, you can't do that, I'm like, why not? Mm. Why can't I do that? Which is what is something I'm so intrigued to explore um, with this whole podcast, with your story, because you clearly are an ambitious woman. And I'm so intrigued to learn a little more. But I actually wanted to start with a little bit about yourself and that moment of intuition that you you often speak about that kind of had you cultivating a new direction in your life. Yeah, so I think I was about 24 or 25. Um, I'd spent five years at uni studying basically the same thing. So I think when you commit time to that, you feel like you need to see it through. I'd just done a master's in industrial relations and human resource management. I was working in banking and I had parents that had had the same job for like 25 years. So I thought that's what you should do. Um, So I was willing to commit myself to that, but I always, actually not always, it probably took me about three years to realize this really isn't for me. I like my job. I'm challenged, but I am not passionate about this. Um, I was honestly sitting at my desk thinking I, the words were exactly, I'm capable of more than this. Like there is something out there that I'm way better at than this. Um, And I just didn't know what it was. I started putting the wheels in motion and it's actually ridiculous to think about. What did you do? Because I think a lot of women might have this moment and they're like, I swear to God, I can do more than where I'm at. But what did you do or what would be the tips that you'd have for them to help, you know, move that train along? Okay, so I don't know if these are tips, but I think it puts out this sounds so crazy and witchy, but it ends up putting out an energy or I I just think that, you know, you get back what you put out. I knew that I wasn't doing the right thing for me. So I started to explore other options. I don't know if the way I started exploring them is necessarily a good tip, but I'd always been interested in sport. I started doing things like looking up how I can become a personal trainer. I had developed this little program. It was basically how I was staying fit with minimal effort because I find exercising boring and repetitive. So I'd come up with this really small little program that I thought you could get results in little snapshots. So I'd started looking at how to become a personal trainer. I started talking to my friends about starting a blog. And then I'd reached out to a friend of mine who was doing loads of events with bloggers and influencers. And she'd started to to invite me to all of these events. And I was just doing these little networking 
I guess. You were hustling. You were being proactive. Yeah, but I hadn't really started or worked out what it was going to be. And then it ended up being this friend of mine who I'd told that I wanted to become a blogger and had started inviting me to these events who referred me to Whitney. So it ended up leading um, to where I am now, kind of in an indirect way. Um, And at first I wasn't actually going to take the call with Whitney because I'd also just changed industries because I was going to see if that changed my perspective on what I was doing. So I'd only been in my role for about seven months and I thought it was too soon which is something I've also got an issue with, how we're all told not to jump around. But if you don't jump around, how do you find out what you like? Um, Anyway, so I hid in a meeting room at work, spoke to Whitney. She was super persistent, added me on Facebook, started emailing me. And at that point I was like, who is this woman? Well, okay, so something that I'm trying to understand as part of your journey is like you're on the phone to Whitney who is huge, huge, hugely successful. And she's so persistent on you. So what was it do you think that she saw in you or that that you guys were cultivating in that relationship that she was like, no, you were going to be the one who opens Bumble in another country, never having any experience? Yeah, and we'd never met. She'd actually never even met face-to-face the person who referred me. I can't really describe it, but I was sitting in this room. I remember exactly what I was looking at. I remember the phone call and I was just getting goosebumps throughout the conversation. But I think we were both feeling it because we've spoken about this a few times um, since. We both had, we both just had this hugely strong gut feeling about one another. Um, But for me, she was really selling me on women supporting women and I know everyone talks about that a lot now um but kind of two and a bit years ago it wasn't something that was so much on my radar probably because I was just focused on what I was doing at the time but um yeah she sold me on women supporting other women on her story and I actually thought the skills I was going to bring into the role were that I used to manage grad recruitment at a bank And she spoke a lot about getting university ambassadors on board. And I was like, oh, I can do that. Like, I've done this. I've gone out on campuses. I've convinced uni kids, super smart uni kids, why they should choose this bank over another bank. And I've always been able to become their friend and build like genuine friendships with all of these grads after doing it. And so that's what I was kind of pitching back to her about how I was going to make this work. Um, But yeah, I just, I, I don't know what it was. I think gut feeling when it's that strong um it's not something to ignore uh but then it was yeah it was my dad who told me I'd be an idiot not to do it so I actually quit my job that day wow so you really (laughs) so I think like it's so important also to trust yourself and take a leap of opportunity and a leap of faith yeah it was it's weird to think because it's only two and a bit years later but at the time I had not heard of Bumble and I didn't know about Whitney's stories and the friend who'd referred me had sent me a couple of articles saying you know read this um so I could get a bit of the background but you know it was this company in America and this person I'd never met and I didn't know when I'd be paid or what was going to happen um I didn't know how Mom to build- and dad, can I move back in on honestly I actually moved back in I yeah I moved back in with my parents because I was really unsure I knew I wanted to do it and I felt like it was gonna pay off in the long run but I also knew I could be completely wrong and I needed some sort of stability whilst I figured it all out because I was encouraged basically to do this to start a company so I was like okay I need to work out how to start a company I need to work out how I'm going to support myself if I'm not paid straight away, which I was, but at the time I didn't know that. Um, And I didn't want to let my housemates down if all of a sudden I couldn't pay rent. So I actually moved back in with my parents and I took up some shifts at the surf store I worked at for five years through uni on the weekends just in case it all fell apart. Really? Yeah. See, I think this is so interesting because something I wanted to touch on is the fact that if I scroll through your Instagram it looks like working at Bumble and your life is just like Glam Squad 101. <laughs> but now that I hear so much more of your story, I'm like, there is such a persistence and a work ethic and a desire and a thought process of like, you know what, if I don't know it, let me figure it out. Yeah. So what do you think or where do you think it came from in this, uh, how you back yourself so much? I, uh, I've got to say my parents. Um, I think that... I'm not confident and really sure of myself all of the time, but I've always got these little voices in the back of my mind from people that that do think that of me. My mum has always said, um, you know, you rise to every challenge. Um, And I remember after I quit my job, 
set this business up, like signed this basically consulting contract. And I called my mom and was just like, fuck, like, what have I done? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where to start. I've told this amazing woman I'm going to do all of this for her. So it's like this pressure on myself because I've always wanted to succeed and I've always been really driven. It's like I can't let myself down, but I also can't let this brand down that already exists somewhere else and is successful somewhere else. So it's like more pressure put on myself really. Um, But my mum just kind of reinforced, you know, if there, I think she said if there's anyone who's not, if there's someone who's not going to fail at this, like it'll be you. So you just need to get on with it. And I think that was the last time I really felt scared (laughs) because then everything moved so quickly. Um, There was no time to really look back. And now that we kind of jump into Bumble, I'd love to hear a bit, firstly, I mean, huge kudos on hitting 2 million. Yeah, that's crazy. How much, like, how does that feel in regards to the fact that you only launched it just over two years ago too? Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. I, I'm trying to process it. I want to think about it because I think it's so important to recognize those wins. Um, but it is crazy to think, you know, the next million is 12% of the population. Um, and you know, my key goal from the start had just been, I want everyone in Australia to know what Bumble is and know what we stand for and just kind of ticking those millions off. Just, um, it's a great way to feel reassurance and feel like you're actually doing it. Yeah. It's interesting because I kind of think like, although Bumble is an app, it feels like it's so much more of a movement. It is. I've, I've always felt like that. Um, and I felt like, especially in this, in the beginning, when you're trying to establish a brand and, you know, um, you're trying to create awareness and then you're going through to the education phase. Um, I always was aware that there were people at the beginning who weren't going to just jump on Bumble straight away. One of the biggest challenges launching Bumble here is the stigma, the stigma that did exist against online dating. Um, So we were really trying to normalize it from the moment that we launched. But I had always felt, you know, even if I can speak to someone about Bumble, even if I can't get the win straight away and have them download it in front of me, I want them to buy into this movement because, you know, we're trying to reverse engineer gender dynamics. We're standing for so much more than the product that is Bumble. It's everything that goes into that. It's equality. It's empowerment. It's empowering women to go after what they want in all facets of their lives. Um, So even if you're just super anti-downloading Bumble, which no one should be, I think you should be so pro what we stand for. Yeah, I remember um, in researching you, you said something, if my friends won't walk down the street in a Bumble t-shirt, then I haven't done my job right, which actually I kind of want to ask around. So I think Bumble and the movement and everything and the message is so powerful. But do you think it's it's still kind of encouraging this swipe culture around like you're good enough for me if also you're pretty enough, your photo's good enough, your profile's hot enough? Like how do we get through that? Because it still encourages this judgment. Yeah. I mean, I think on judgment, you even when you see a hot guy or girl walk into a bar, um, you don't know anything about that person and you are judging them initially purely on what you see, you know, be that their face or their height or their clothes, their hair, whatever it is. Um, And I think that on Bumble, we actually are going a little deeper than that because it's like when you see someone walk into a bar, they don't have a little bio above their head, you know, with what they like, what they do or their age or their star sign. Now you can put (laughs) star sign. um, Everyone's into the star signs. I'm so into star signs. Um, I've started trying to guess people's as soon as I meet them. What do you think mine is? Cancer. No, I'm an Aquarius. Oh my God, if I got it right, that would have been so good. <laughs> it would have been lit. Aquarius is my favorite, but so is Cancer. That's why I went Cancer. Um, yeah, you know, you don't know much about the person. You're judging them purely on what you see. So I think on Bumble, you know, you're definitely looking at the profile, but you can also look at what they've written in their bio and we really encourage people to fill that out. And, you know, if they've put any badges on their profile, they've said, you know, they're active or they're not active. And now we also have conversation starters, which are helping you kind of go out there with a great question from the moment that you match. Oh, right. So as in suggestions around, instead of people being like, hey, I've made a match, what should I say? Yeah. It kind of gives you the prompt about being like, hey, how are you going? Yeah. Or not just doing a hand wave. Yeah. emoji you know actually putting a bit of effort into it um but yeah we also you know interestingly we did a survey last year of a thousand single Australian women 40% of them said that they didn't care too much about what um 
the person looked like when they were matching. Really? Yeah. That's 40%. interesting. Actually, well, something that always strikes me is so I'm I'm married and I also tell my wife she's the worst texter ever. So I had already met her. Like we met in real life. It's funny because I actually happened to see a meme and it was like, you know, you're getting older when you say I met my partner just in <laughs> conversation out in public. And I was like, what? Oh, apps. Yeah. But she's the worst texter ever. And I said, you know, if I had met you on an app, our banter would have been so poor that I would have been like, oh, this is definitely not a go. So how do you think we can also like navigate that when people just aren't good? They're not good with, I guess, the, the initial game of dating. Because that's a bit what it's like, right? Yeah. You know, I'd never used a dating app when I started at Bumble. Um, and then I started using the app. Obviously, you know, I wanted to use it for market research, basically. Um, and even I have always thought I'm pretty confident. And even I would sometimes kind of stumble over the opening line and what you should say. Um, but I think that's also, you know, that ties back into what we're trying to do. Like we're trying to create that behavior and normalize it and have it as a always on consistent type of thing where women are confident going into any conversation and, you know, knowing what to say or backing themselves. Um, but I think conversation starters definitely, you know, recognizes that sometimes it can be difficult. So we're giving you some cues to help you out. Um, but I, I mean, we have done surveying on this and, you know, a bit of humor never goes astray. You can do a cheesy pickup line. What's know. the best cheesy pickup line you've seen? One of our interns actually kept asking everyone, she kept saying, hey, I'm going to Woolies, what do you want? And then we'd judge everyone on what they said. You know, some guys would say chocolate milk and Pringles who were like, yeah, they're a winner. Or others might say... Like, what do you mean? Yeah. You're like, if I have to break this down for you, this isn't funny. Yeah, or yeah. like, I'm getting cheese. This one's so lame. But one guy said to me, you know, I'll, I'll get the cheese, you get the wine or something like that. So it like works, but it's super yeah. cringe. You're like, yeah. I'll give you three points for solid effort. I don't think yet. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think that the confidence that someone builds in dating can parlay into their career success? A hundred percent. I think that I can see it even within myself and within my team. I think since starting at Bumble, it has opened my mind um, so much. It's I, I am a different person because of it. I... Um, I'm pretty open to, you know, calling situa situations out that um, are misogynistic or don't really sit well with me. Do you have an example of that? Because as I'm speaking to you, I can hear you really have strong leadership qualities. But I think a lot of women either have a bit of social anxiety or just a bit of fear and worry about themselves. But what is it that or maybe an example you've had where you've just like, this is not okay? Probably a couple of months ago, actually, I'm not sure if this is an inappropriate example, but I was at a bar um, in Melbourne and this older guy kept coming up to me trying to speak to me and I was super polite. I told him, you know, not interested, I've got a boyfriend. And then he kept doing it. I actually progressed. I was like, I'm actually married. So just lied to see if that would shut it down e even more. You're like, this is a full stop. Yeah, yeah. Like nothing can happen here. And um, then he walked past me a couple of minutes later and Grabbed my ass, but in the most inappropriate way I've probably ever had my ass grabbed. That's not very articulate. So really like physically just like right, Like right wow. up. Yep. And then as I turned around to see who it was, he gave me this little smug smirk. And I think if I wasn't in the position I'm in now, I might have just let it go. But I actually stopped and thought for a minute and was like, if this guy is 55 and has been doing this his whole life, you know, how many women has he actually done this to? And if I don't kind of make a bit of a scene about this now, then he'll probably just keep doing it to women. Um, so I just blew up and didn't really care about how it made me look. Um, and I called him out on it and just said, you know, this is disgusting and I don't know why you think this is appropriate. And probably humiliated him a little bit, but I thought if I can do that now, then it'll potentially stop him from thinking that's appropriate moving forward. But um, I don't think I would have behaved like that if, yeah, I wasn't in the role I'm in now. And I just think it can be those little things at times that help, you know, put a stop to something that could be at another point, maybe more serious. Yeah, it's so interesting because I think it's those little things where if you inevitably keep letting someone go like sorry letting off the hook for doing little things like that it kind of becomes this snowball effect which makes me intrigued to know um has any part of the me too movement really affected dating apps or just i guess the different way in which a woman is now actually maybe standing up for herself a little bit better or more or yeah i mean bumble ha bumble was founded in 
I think it was the end of 2014 and, you know, had always had these really solid values and foundations, you know, and misogyny, reverse engineered gender dynamics, equality, female empowerment. And I think that Whitney particularly was really ahead of her time in terms of the Me Too movement. So when we saw that come to life and saw so many high profile women, you know, jumping um, on board and really being so outspoken on it, we were really happy um, to see that and really celebrated that, you know, within the company because I think that Bumble was or had been doing that for, you know, a few years. So it was great to see that um, get such public, get such positive public reinforcement. Do you think it's reinforcing for women? Like actually if you're not being treated right or if someone's not treating you right, you actually are allowed to call that out? Because I think as women sometimes you're like, oh, it's, you know, it's just Joey being silly or, you know, we just kind of palm things off and we just let them go. Or like you said, a guy can just grab you on the ass and you're meant to take it as a compliment, right? That's, that's the, in his, yeah. like, sometimes that's what people think like, oh, you know, he's hitting on you. It's a compliment. And you're yeah. like, no, like I feel it's so inappropriate and he's yeah. violating me. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you'll end up putting this in here, but um, I probably should ask my mum for permission on this. But um, so my mum is like hugely into running, would always go for a run in the bushes like near our place at home. And um, one day she came back from her run and a guy had tried to assault her in the bushes at this park. And she had managed to get away from him purely because she's strong and she had kind of read the situation and she'd like picked up her pace running towards him and ended up basically like wrestling him off her. Um, And a week, she didn't do anything about it at the time because she was questioning and she was like, did I misread this? Was he just putting his arms out for another reason was something else about to happen and she was really unsure if what she'd done was the right thing and a week later there was um, a picture in the paper and a woman had been sexually assaulted in our suburb and it was him and my mum called the police just to say you know I've also come across this guy and the policeman said that that kind of thing you know happens all the time and after you know these these you know images are posted a lot of women you know, ring in um, and say that they've had similar experiences with the person. And I think that that's horrible because it shows, you know, that there are such strong cultural and gender issues at play. Entitlement. Yeah, yeah. But also I think it's like not not everyone will just have the confidence, I suppose, or want to speak out. And so many people have experienced such horrific things, you know, it's hard to deal with enough and speaking about it might make things even harder. Um, But I do think if you're in the position where you can speak out about it and you can do something to shut it down, then you should. Um, And I think, you know, that shows in Bumble as well and its foundations and why it's so important to, even if it's, you know, in dating, friendship, finding business, networking, empowering women to go after what they want, to be confident and to call, you know, those kind of things out. Yeah, it's like it's that funny thing around like uh, he said, she said, and you're like it's the believe them, you know. When something yeah. horrific happens, it's bad enough that it happened and then it's bad enough it's it's even worse when you don't believe it happened. Yeah. And that person is trying to be forthcoming and let you know and you want that safe space to be like, okay, let me help you through this next bit, yeah. which is something that I think is interesting around dating because – we all want to find the one. We all want to find this relationship. And I think like we can touch on how, you know, sometimes people just want a bit more casual fun. But I think ultimately people want like human connection. They want to share a life experience. And so as much as Bumble is allowing us to control the conversation, how could we get better or other, you know, do you guys have initiatives in place around helping us or helping women, I guess you could say more so, um, control the space, you know, when we are on that date with that person? Yeah, I mean, I think on Bumble we are all about meaningful connections and that's kind of what we've always spoken about um, and something that's really embedded in our messaging. So like less casual sex, more about only be here if you really are authentic, but I'm sure some slippery people (laughs) come on in. Yeah, I mean, I would say for anyone actively using the app at the moment, it's like you want to get the most out of it and you want it to be a pleasant experience for you. And that can be on any of the three verticals. Like you could be using biz and you just want to find a mentor or you could be finding biz because you're actively looking for a photographer. And I think it's the same with dating. You know, if you've just come out of a really challenging relationship and you're just testing the water, then, you know, you might just be kind of browsing really through the platform to see who's there. Um, But I also think, you know, have 
clear intentions, kind of like when you go for a job interview and things like that, you know what I mean? Like you know what you're trying to get out of that and what you're hoping from that position. And I think like especially when you're just starting back in dating or you're new to Bumble, um, make sure that you're setting your profile up to attract, you know, what you're hoping to and that you're being clear with your intentions when you initiate conversations and then when you go out IRL and (laughs) meet the person. (laughs) Um, What's, I guess, Bumble's... um like it, let's say someone goes on a date, has a, uh, a really poor experience. Um, is there a ways in which the app then um, investigates yeah. or you can report abuse? Like, Absolutely. Because I think like for me, I, you want women to feel safe and there's just gendered crime, which is so unfortunate. And so I guess what are the implemental measures considering Bumble is so like women driven? Yeah, absolutely. We have a zero tolerance policy um, for any behavior that goes against what we stand for. Um, you know, in the past... Bumble have posted open letters um, to men who haven't behaved within those boundaries on um, the platform. We will always, you know, seek to remove um, anyone who is, you know, not treating women the way that they should be or if anyone's had an unpleasant um, experience. You know, we've got a great team of moderators um, that are constantly ensuring it's a safe platform and that it's being used the way it's intended to be used. Yeah, it's like uh, I just recently saw how you've launched in India and I know you control or lead um, the Australian space, but I wondered due to uh, a lot of the gendered awareness climate in India, if there's any extra measures potentially in place or anything like that. And then I guess if they work in India, would we roll those out into you know the rest of the Bumble marketplace just so we can continue to foster a safe space? Yeah, I mean – To my knowledge, the app is the same um, in India as it is in Australia, Um, but 100% I think safety is a huge, um, yeah, yeah, definitely something they're focusing on India. And, I mean, we've got like anti-catfishing technology built into the app, so we've got photo verification tools so you can always ensure that someone is who they say they are um, and those are checked by real people. So So what do you mean by that? So an image will come up of someone holding a peace sign or something like that and then you have to mimic that gesture. So you take a selfie of you doing the peace sign. Oh, right, as in I can't put a photo of XYZ gentleman... Yeah. And then pretend it's me. Yeah, exactly. So then they check that your mimicking of the peace sign matches up to your profile pictures. Gotcha. Yeah. So so that's a great tool um, in terms of ensuring that it's a safe platform and that no one's being misled um, and those kinds of things. But also I think, you know, we also release blogs a lot about what you should do if you're ever unsure, you know, meet in a public space. We do a lot of events in Australia for sing- like groups of singles if you're ever unsure or if you don't feel confident, you know, at, right then and there you can come and be in a group of 30 people and meet people that you know are single and actively looking and on Bumble. Something I was actually intrigued to know was uh, would you ever in any way do some sense of like blind dating? Because I think sometimes, right, like you, you know, if I look at a picture and I'm like, oh, no, you swipe left, right? It's swipe left. Like, sorry, I don't really use obviously yeah, a yeah. Right is you like them. Left right. is you don't. Right. So, for example, is there any way that like or would you ever do anything where it's like let's do some blind dating? I would love to do that. That would be interesting, right? Yeah. I'd love to make like the voice into – a dating game. <laughs> that would be cool because yeah. this is something that, so in the last uh, few weeks of preparing for this interview, I have learned more about dating than in my, you know, 29 years of existence. And it's been so interesting where a lot of people have said, you know, I just miss the human connection. I like it in real life. Um, dating is just like women more so than men have said, you know, men just still are looking to like, you know, notches on their belt with this and things like that. So how do you think, or what do you think is the best transition for we're chatting here and then how we take it to a real connection. So you can see if you like, I guess, vibe their yeah. energy. You know, we actually do so much of this in the app because sometimes it can be you're not sure what to do or how to move it yeah, from the app into real life. So we often run a lot of competitions actually, like we did one last year. And if you'd recently matched with someone on Bumble, you could win a date to the AFL grand final. I mean, that's like the ultimate icebreaker. So those kind of things where we're setting up date situations to help you. And I also think that's something that you can then talk to people about as well. You know, these competitions kind of always running within the app or we're doing, um, you know, like we did a multi-sensory fab lab, we called it, actually in Chippendale, um, where anyone who showed that they had the Bumble app could come along. Um, And it was basically four rooms built on 
senses that scientifically make you feel happy. So it was like smell, taste, gratitude, and then I think it was relaxation and meditation, the fourth one. But those kind of things where you can actually come and do interact, like interactive activities um, paid for, sponsored by Bumble. And you can, you know, move that connection to real life. And so what do you think around when people, because I think like so many people are like, oh, wow, I'd be so enthusiastic to do that. But, you know, if they get a bit of social anxiety, like when, because I think that's what happens. And from, you know, what I've also seen and read from a lot of women, they're like, I want to go out and meet people, but I'm just so worried and nervous and fearful. And I mean, you yourself are a very confident, ambitious woman. Like, what would you say in those moments? How do you help a woman in that situation make the first move? Yeah, I honestly, even if I seem confident, I genuinely get social anxiety. I was talking about this to someone. So how do you deal with it? I mean, this is so bad, but I just always try and find my person. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like someone that you can speak to like straight away and they're just open and you click with them. And I feel like that always gives that little boost of confidence. But also, I mean, Bumble BFF in Australia has so many amazing women on it and that's just purely friend finding. Um, And my team and I actually... We want to do this more regularly. Last year, we set up a meetup at the clock in Surrey Hills and all of us went on BFF and we matched with loads of girls and invited all of them to come along. So it was everyone arriving by themselves, wanting to meet new people. And because you knew everyone was in the same kind of position, it was such an amazing event. Everyone was so welcoming. Even playing fields. Yeah, yeah. And I just think the BFF space is so great. It can be so hard to meet new friends as an adult um you know as a child you're pushed into these situations all the time where you meet people then you go through school and then I think as you're kind of mid to late 20s it's this weird everyone's at different phases of their lives um and I think BFF is so great as a a networking tool and as a way to meet new like-minded friends yeah it's funny because uh so many things are like ticker boxes and um I remember when I was living in New York I said to my friend I was like you need to stop going out and your first question cannot be what do you do for a living? Oh, yeah. I was like, you're putting someone in a box and you're not actively getting to know who they are and yeah. what they're all about. You're just trying to be like, oh, where can I put them on the social hierarchy? Yeah, like ask them what their hobby is or something. Yeah, what's your <laughs> favourite hobby? Oh, my God. Honestly, at the moment, is Netflix a hobby? I think Netflix <laughs> Netflix has become a hobby. And you yourself, actually, you're in like a long-term relationship, aren't you? Yeah, and I actually was curious to know, I mean, so many people want to meet a date on Bumble and then they want to, they hope it's going to transition into a great relationship. Do you have any personal tips or examples in, even in your own relationship um, to help foster that? I think the best thing about my relationship is, uh, I mean, I travel so much um, and my boyfriend does as well. Um, and so we just have a mutual understanding it could be quite difficult in my role, I think, to have a boyfriend just because I'm always on the go. So to have someone who just respects and understands my situation, it's like neither one of us ever feel like we're letting the other one down. But also I genuinely feel like Bill is my number one supporter. Like no one is more supportive of me. Literally my number one fan comes to every event I do on time. He's quite a good dancer I've seen. He's a very, honestly, he should start a company that is just getting parties started. So that's actually something that kind of plays into um, shaking up those gender norms because something in when I've been watching certain videos and movies and it's like women's roles. Now I imagine in your relationship um, you also like you're a very powerful, successful woman now and has that either impacted your relationship or you just – have a quite an empowered relationship or how do you think that could impl- like uh, affect other women? Do you know what I mean? Like I've seen so many women who come into a relationship and they're kind of one person and then as they grow and foster and it kind of changes their dynamics and it's not always in the best way. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm fortunate. I met Bill at the very start. So literally as I'd quit my job and was, and was starting this, I suppose, um, I get pretty bad anxiety and can get really really stressed and he is like the most chilled out person on the planet um and just really balances me out and kind of knows how to calm me down um and I think because he plays professional like he plays professional sport um it's kind of nice just to both do something that is so incredibly different I think it would be hard to have someone kind of in the same world it would just be a little bit exhausting um But, yeah, I think I've been lucky. He is just so supportive and I think I'm supportive of him and, yeah, just happens to work. Yeah. So touching on actually uh, 
you feeling anxious and having that anxiety, how do you deal with that? Because in researching this podcast, a lot of women wanted to talk about just mental wellness and mental health in general and how to handle things. So my anxiety is, well, it's like my whole life has basically been anxiety. My hair actually fell out when I was six. I had alopecia. So I've always been highly anxious um, I think it's all tied into competitiveness and kind of this drive. So I don't honestly know how it feels not to be anxious because that's all I've ever known. My anxiety is always physical. Like I gave myself, I've given myself like pharyngitis, viral meningitis, wow. scalp rashes. Like I always will have physical reactions, throw up like before a big meeting, things like that. Really? So do you, how do you deal with that? Um, so this is weird, but <laughs> my coping mechanism when I was younger was lavender. So I would literally have a little hanky with lavender oil in my pocket. And every time I would feel this anxiety coming on, I would have to smell the lavender hanky. So whenever I feel like I had a panic attack before Melbourne Cup, just because I was so stressed about it. Um, but I've always been pretty good at hiding those things or just kind of knowing how to deal with them on my own. Um, but I'm also really solutions focused. So once I get into one of those hectic anxiety, high stress situations, I just have to always think about solution and goal and also remind myself, like I'm not saving lives, um, and just kind of bring everything back down. Perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Like both my sisters are nurses. Um, so if I'm ever trying to whinge about my day and then I hear what they've had to deal with, it's like, okay, shut up. Gotcha. So you, so sometimes you have that um, struggle between what you have to present yourself as, but then also what you're feeling inside. Yeah. I don't know if anyone would really know. I'm not sure people would notice my anxiety, but like all my friends are extremely aware of it, but I'm just very over analytical. Like after this, I'll think about it for two hours and think about everything that I said and like what I could have said better. Because I think so many women struggle with like who I have to be versus who I am. Yeah. But I think like the whole point even of dating, right, is you want to show someone just who you are and you hope they're going to be like, hey, I love that person. I really yeah. genuinely love who and this in, in all the quote unquote mess that you're showing me mm. because I think it's an amazing aspect of people. Yeah. He's definitely seen me at my worst. I know we were talking a little earlier around when it comes to women, empowered, successful, financially independent, which also touch, we can touch on the fact that that allows you, I think, more choice in leaving relationships and stuff like that. But how do then we balance it with chivalry, right? Like, hey, Nat, make the first move, but also like, what's the balance around? Like, there is still something nice sometimes around maybe a gentleman holding the door open for you or. Yeah, I know. So, you know, like, how do you balance that? Because I imagine like, you know, you are very successful. You're also in a female driven business, but then you have like a partner who I'm sure, you, you know, like, I hope I'm making sense to you. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel like in my own relationship, things always kind of come full circle or it's like I'll cook dinner and then Bill will cook dinner or like I'll go out of my way to do something nice for him and then he'll go out of his way to do something nice for me. I just feel like it's more um, just a quality on a larger kind of scale Um, in saying that. I've actually thought about like if I would ever propose to my boyfriend because I'm like, that would be a great story. And it's You're really, like, I made the first move, babe. Really, you were too long. Yeah, it's really brand aligned. But um, I think it's pretty on brand if I propose. But um, I think I – Should ask Whitney, can we split the ring if yeah, I do if this? Yeah, if I do this, can you buy the ring? <laughs> my ring. <laughs> um, I should actually pitch that. But um, – yeah, I I do think it's like just look at that as a quality. Like I would never go out to – even if it, when I was dating, I wouldn't go out on a date and I would never not offer to pay as well. And like if it was a split bill situation, then I would honestly have been okay with that. Not Normally guys ask. pay though. Yep. But then it's like if you go out for drinks, then I'd just pay for all the drinks um, and things like that. Or like – but do you have girlfriends who they still want the gentleman to open the door? They still want the guy to pick up the tab. Like, do you know, and they want all the romanticists, but then they also want, hey, treat me fairly, equally, et cetera, which I believe you can have both. Yeah. But do you think there is sometimes a bit of a confusion? Yeah, I, I do think. I, I also think it depends on potentially your upbringing bringing a little bit and kind of what you see for yourself. Um like I see myself always working. I obviously want to have kids and have a family. Um, 
But I also think it was really important for me to see my mum work and that's that's a huge generalisation and you can be successful and have not had either, either of your what parents What did that work. mean to you though, to see her work? I think it just showed me this very equal, very balanced relationship, which I think is what I have now. And I think because my parents' relationship, you know, they're still so in love and it's worked, then I feel like maybe that's, you know, the recipe. Who knows? Yeah. But um, I just want to set a good example. Um, maybe that'll be I'm just a kill, you know, killer mum. Who knows? Uh, but, yeah, I think it'll be important for me as a person as well. Like I, my brain... I, I need to keep it moving at a million miles an hour. I've always been super energetic. I need to keep working. So yeah, you have that ambition and that drive. Yeah. Speaking about your parents, but more about like, I guess their generation, something I was thinking about when it came to Bumble was it's kind of focused on the younger demographic, I imagine. And so what do you think, or do you even see Bumble opening up to, cause like divorce rates are quite high. Right. And so if we yeah. look at a woman comes out, she gets divorced, she's in her fifties Will Bumble be a place or a space that will be open to her or? Yeah, I actually, so obviously I'm not married, so I'm not divorced. So I can't speak from experience, but um, I actually spoke to our chief brand officer about this. She, today, she's actually been divorced for a year. Um, And so I wanted to ask her how she found Bumble from being, you know, pre-marriage to divorce. Um, And I mean, first of all, I think like we definitely... It's, it takes courage to leave a relationship that, that isn't right. Yeah. Um, so I think if you've done that, you know, power to you for acknowledging that it wasn't the right thing for you. And then it definitely can be daunting stepping back into that space. But I think Bumble is honestly one of the best platforms that you could use um, to kind of begin that journey again because you're not going to be bombarded by a million messages. The power is in your hands. You might be more aware of exactly what you're looking for. Um, so you can kind of be more proactive and targeted about, you know, the kind of guys that you're matching with and how you want to to use the app you know to to get what you need out of it but um yeah I think that a hundred percent it's a space like it's a space for all women I just so there are there are older yeah okay cool so do you have like an age demographic um at the moment do you know what your oldest user how old they are I actually don't but I know there's over 60 okay cool yeah so you know what's funny the oldest is yeah it's so interesting yeah um What's funny is I was speaking with some friends earlier about this and Bumble itself and dating and um, they were talking about, you know, even if the picture isn't right, I kind of judge the person or if the banter on the bio isn't correct. So do you even have any tips for people to actually like create a more successful Bumble profile because your intention is also to create more successful connections? A hundred percent. Don't use group photos. Um, make sure that you're using pictures that are recent, not a picture. I never understand group pictures. So you're yeah. like, which one are they? Yeah. And then with like, um, you meet the person and you're like, that's not what you look like. Yeah. Yeah. Or I thought you were the other one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not a good start. Does that happen? Yeah. I'm sure that would happen because I think, yeah, it's not, it's not a guessing game. Um, so make sure like put a couple of group photos in there if you want, but make sure it's clear who you are. Put in your bio, you know, what you like, not what you don't like. Say, you know, what you're, what you're there to find. I think that badges are amazing. That's like your star signs. Um, we've actually done research that shows that smiling in your, in your profile picture helps. Um, women actually aren't that concerned about if you've got a puppy, apparently. So what do you a lot mean? of people put puppies in their um, profile pictures, but we did research. And I, I can't remember the exact statistic, but it's only really younger women who go for the puppy. Um, that's such an interesting thing because, yeah. well, it, I had, I recently had a friend who had broken up with her partner and she was like, you know, I don't know if I want to be on Bumble. And I was like, just give it to me. I'll Bumble for you. Is that a verb? I'll Bumble yeah, for you. Yeah. And, um, and one of the, per- one of the people replied was like, well, you have a pug and I have a pug. So we already have something in common. And you're like, oh, cringing, but that's a good try. Like, yeah. okay, we'll see where this yeah. conversation goes and yeah. this banter. So Jackie Frank was someone that we worked with for the launch of Bumble Beers and then she actually started mentoring me, which was great. But one of the things that she said was you can have it all but not all at once. And I just think that has got to be true um, because, I mean, at the moment I can work, you know, 
pretty hard. Um, I can travel whenever I need to. Um, I definitely want to have kids, but I'm not sure how that would then shape and I'm sure, you know, reshape. And I'm sure that how I'm working at the moment would have to change. I'm not sure if it could work if I had kids or potentially if I did have kids, you know, whoever I had them with, like maybe they would need to be the primary um, parent if tell, I was to tell continue. Bill he's gonna be a stay-at-home yeah, dad I think he'd love it but um it's such a funny thing because I think it's actually becoming more common than we think like yeah why should we only presume that women are the ones who raise babies yeah. I also just wish I had more of this attitude when I was younger like my my parents they have been together for so long they are super in love and they're definitely that different generation I think my mum was 23 when she got married had me when she was 26 you know like that window's already closed for me um but I think when you see that, that's your normal. So I remember have like I remember thinking to myself, oh, I'm going to be married, you know, by the time I'm 21, and then I'm going to have a kid when I'm 23. And I just wish I'd never put those kind of expectations on myself because I think I actually would have lived a much freer, open-minded kind of early 20s, late teens um, lifestyle. But I was just kind of setting myself up to hit these targets based on age false expectations yeah and I I now honestly just have such an issue with age because I think as a woman as well um people talk about a biological clock and you're like everyone's different um so no one really knows when their biological clock's going to start ticking unless you know you've actively looked into it um and I just think like I don't want to live with those kind of expectations on myself I want to have children when it's right for me not because I think my clock's started to tick um yeah you want to be empowered to make your own choices and on your own timeline and yeah like that. and like maybe that means I freeze my eggs like who knows but if I can just keep doing what I'm doing and be open to you know different opportunities and do things at the exact right time for me then like so be it I absolutely agree and so before I ask you my final question where can everyone find you Oh, Instagram, but I hate it that you said it looks all glam. But it's not. Well, like I don't think there's anything wrong. Like I'm like, hey, Bumble, hire me. Like what's happening? It looks amazing. It is so fun. Like, but I'm it sure is, it's got hard work. It is. Yeah, it is so fun. I feel so lucky. I love my team. I honestly love going to work every day. But honestly, it definitely is, you know, highlight reel. Um, it's hard but rewarding. So what is your Instagram? Michelle Battersby. Amazing. I'll link it up. And so my last question is, you're standing in a room in front of 10,000 women. You can offer them one piece of advice. What is it? Trust your gut. Trust your gut. Yeah. I love that because that's how you got every step of the way. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have enjoyed this conversation so much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Modern Women. You can listen to all of our episodes over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. If you're not already subscribed, please do click that subscribe button now so you don't miss any episodes that come out each week. If you enjoyed this podcast or you took something away from it, taking two minutes to leave a five-star review or post a story review on Instagram and tag me in it so that we can continue to share these incredible stories with more women who need to hear this message. Original music by Chunky Love and produced by Podpaste. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.